It's the Thought Eater, Thought Eater, Thought Eater RPG Show. It's the Thought Eater, Thought Eater, Thought Eater RPG Show. We've got blogs! Well, that's it. at the map of the week. Adventures in art! Le Chadron Comatique! Oui, oui! It's the Thought Eater, Thought Eater, Thought Eater RPG Show. It's the Thought Eater RPG Show. Welcome to the Thought Eater Thought Pass. <laughs> hey, Froth Jason here. Just want to say, great that you're back in podcasting. I was very excited to see you come back. And thank you for not redoing your intro, because that's what we like. We want to hear some rambling froth. So, great first entry. Looking forward to more. Take care. Yo, D&D, let's kick it. All right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Froth is back with the brand new edition. Tables, grab a hold of him tightly. Checking out blog vote daily and nightly. Will he ever stop? Yo, I hope no. Open the app and press go. To the extreme, he rocks a mic like a vandal. Talking about maps and a bunch of RPGs, yo. Hey, Froth, this is Larry with Follow Me and Die, and I just want to say welcome back. Sorry for being a little late on that, but it's my busy time of year at work, and things are just a little scrambling around here. So glad to hear you're doing well and i really enjoyed tj's intro for you that's very cool very catchy um so i just look forward to uh, more episodes i listened to your episodes tonight when i was out running errands and i really appreciate that so keep up the good work hey froth just wanted to say welcome back really enjoyed the episode so good to have that hump day magic back in my life and uh, also thanks for reminding me of stranger things i never got around to watching season three so i was able to uh, jump back into that earlier this week but you could have given us a trigger warning man issues of dragon magazine being rained on i was not prepared to witness that hey froth it's rob from down in a heap man it was good to hear the Hump Day show again. You had it all. Gunfire. Hazel. Buster Brown. Rosie. <laughs> Please tell me that Rosie is named after Rosie Greer. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I ever had Presto Magics, but I do remember having color forms. And I think I had some, like, universal monster, like, haunted house thing. But it had, like, Dracula and Frankenstein and <clears throat> Creature from the Black Lagoon. And uh, you have fond memories of goofing around with that. Uh, those games sound pretty cool. And, um, yeah, you had a lot, lots of good stuff. So great to have you back. See ya. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. And I got to say, I'm so excited you're back, man. So, so excited. I've always looked forward to your podcast every Wednesday. And I just love it. And I'm just so glad you're back, dude. But... I believe, or I just didn't hear it, I don't think you had a little topic at the end of your episode, because I also look forward to those little quick topics that you bring out, and then you do your little uh, call-ins on that topic, and then you have a new topic for the week, but maybe I missed it, I don't know, but anyways, I'm so glad you're back, dude, it, uh, it, it's a, it's one of my highlights of the week, so it's really good to 
have you back and able to listen to you while I'm at work. It's a it's a nice thing to have on a Wednesday morning at work. What is up, everybody? It is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you are doing well. Thank you for listening. And we are back again with a new Hump Day RPG show, weekly show where we take a look at what's going on in the DIY RPG scene, blog, zines, maps, random tables, etc., etc. And I am so thankful for the awesome welcome back messages there from my fellow Mary RPG podcasters, the legendary Anchorites using Anchor as a platform to record their podcasts. You heard from Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, the man who has forgotten more about RPGs than I will ever know. Joe Richter with the dope rhymes from Hindsightless and the Wheeler Woe actual play Pathfinder podcast. Larry Hamilton, who don't just take my word for it, anyone that has interacted with Larry will tell you that Larry is class personified. Follow me and die podcast, as well as the follow me and die YouTube channel, follow me and die blog, follow me and die stuff on drive through the follow me and die media conglomerate. Spencer, AKA free thrall from the keep off the borderlands podcast. And yes, seeing a dragon magazine in any state of distress is absolutely traumatic. Kind of like seeing uh, somebody burn a stack of white old white dwarves or something. It's just pure nightmare fuel. Rob C. from Down in a Heap. As I always say, one of the only podcasts I can stand to listen to. Down in a Heap. <laughs> and, of course, Josh Beckelheimer from the Forever prepping dm podcast and to your question josh about the uh, you're referring to the final topic segment the editorial segment oh i'm absolutely keeping keeping that segment uh just last week was a little bit different i thought i needed to do something about uh, you know the end of 2020 and so for the final topic last week i was talking about my favorite two games from last year which happened to be green dawn mall from Kome martin and 24XX from Jason Tochi. Um, so I did that as a final topic last week. So I'm, I'm, I'm not off to a great start mentally because uh, I was unhappy with the sound from last week. I got a new phone during the hiatus of the podcast, and the sound quality is nowhere near as good. I like the phone a lot better, but the sound quality for recording the podcast is poor and so i'm having to do this uh, a different way with my headset and doing it on the computer and everything and so it's not as easy so i've had a few false starts but hopefully i can hang in there um and uh yeah so and it's also been a really strange week you know there, there there's some really good content that i've got to share for you all but uh maybe there was maybe less of it, but that's what happens when you have terrorist, white supremacist, scumbag, worthless, conspiracy theory, theorist, terrorists, not worth dirt, 
attacking the Capitol. You know, you don't necessarily feel like writing about elf games after watching that parade of trash and human garbage. Um, so anyway, got quite a show for you, but before we get started, last couple of things, if you want to leave a message on the show, you go to anchor.fm forward slash thought eater. And also it's the froth drive. Yeah. I'm going after that green going for the big time. Patreon.com <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Only a dollar a month at the base tier to support the program. That's just slightly over three cents a day to support the program. And I can tell you, I already spent like two hours just putting together the blog posts that I spent all week searching blogs, searching the internet, scouring the internet to find this stuff. And now I'm looking at hours of recording this thing. So come on, three cents a day froth that's too low no no it's not too low just go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater and support the program i have got some awesome maps for y'all and that's what we're going to get into right now maps of the week i guess i should mention first though all of the links you know you can listen to the show but you're not going to get anything out of it if you don't go over to the thought eater blog that's where i've got all the links and images and everything that i talk about all handy dandy in order for you over there so be sure and google thought eater blog so you can um, you know fully enjoy the episode and while you're there slap me on your blog roll do it do it all right so this this first map is almost where i can just be like and that's the show sickly platypus just a mic drop kind of kind of map here from the bearded devil aka dr jonathan newell over at bearded-devil.com i featured a lot of their work before is this you know their artwork is stunning uh they were working on this town of hex now they have moved on to the city of gossamer and as you might imagine by the the title Gossamer, it is kind of laid out like a spider web. The streets are kind of like strung like like the, the silky we, uh, webbing of a spider. It's unbelievable. You know, I was on Twitter and somebody was asking, is anybody doing maps like a Richard Scary style? And that's kind of in the ballpark of what you'll see from the dock. Uh, almost like a twisted, slightly dark kind of children's book or something. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but you go look at this. I mean, it's like a punch in the face, this map. Um, and it's actually part five of the series. So if you want to go back and look at it, they've got links to high res images of it. So you can see the amount of detail in this. I don't know what the, the amount of time spent on this must, I don't know. So the doc uh, has got this, uh, you could call it a zine, but it's, it's in kind of a larger format. Um, Genial Jack, this uh, setting of this uh, city that's floating on this, this gigantic whale that I've, I've, I've reviewed on the podcast before, but I'm waiting for more stuff from the doc. Cause I'm ready to buy it. <clears throat> I've got the wallet just, you know, ready. So, I will be keeping an eye on the bearded devil for, for new stuff, but uh, go and take a look at this. And like I say, it's kind of like Dr. Jonathan Newell has a new map. 
see you next week. So next I'm moving on to an artist that I just recently started following on Twitter. I noticed their maps. I was like, whoa, I hadn't seen this before. Their name is Fernando Salvatera. They are from Brazil and they've got some fantastic artwork. So I've got a link to their art station site where you can see that for yourself as well as their Twitter. If you like to follow uh, cartographers and stuff on Twitter, I know I do. I'll put that up for you. Somebody needs to hire Fernando uh, for, for a big project. Uh, I'd love to see some of this work and, um, and some, uh, you know, RPG projects and take a look at it. I love the maps. So, and then finally, uh, the last map thing I got for you, this is from the acorn afloat blog, acorn This is Jensen's blog. Love this blog. Cause I love Jensen's art style. And this is uh, bathroom dungeons, the sinister squirrels hideout level one. So this is like a hollowed out tree and, you know, where the sinister squirrels, you know, hide out. What I love about this is just the title bathroom dungeons, because what I assume that means is that Jensen's just got, you know, a little sketchbook in the bathroom. And, you know, whenever, whenever it's that time and they've got time, they, uh, they can sketch, you know, make a little sketch. And um, Jensen's got a really great line style and uh, you'll just have to see it. I, I love to see these hand-drawn maps, you know, sometimes I'll, I like looking at these computerized things and, you know, stuff that was obviously done with computers, but then seeing this, these amazing hand-drawn maps is something special too. It just, you know, just a pen and a piece of paper. So anyway, bathroom dungeons, the sinister squirrels hideout level one is my last map of the week. Oh, Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, give me the Star Wars, Classic. Yes, I have a couple of uh, Star Wars related things that I wanted to throw at you real quick. Um, over at geektyrant.com, I saw this, you know, the whole family, we finished, uh, the first couple of seasons of the Mandalorian, which is fantastic, you know, like a millions of other people out there. I, I loved it. Uh, like a Western or old samurai movie in space, really well done. And so somebody has put together this, uh, mock late eighties, early nineties style sitcom intro using the Mandalorian. It's called Grogu pains. Uh, Grogu, of course, the little baby Yoda, character and it is hilarious and it's done perfectly they even kind of like age the film to make it look like it was you know pre high def and uh it's it's really good so go over to geektyrant.com and watch that if you've seen the mandalorian i, I guarantee you'll find this funny and then i also, also want to mention phileas fos who blogs over at storyteller quest storytellerquest.net I have delighted in watching their slow descent into obsession with Star Wars D6. Um, I follow them on Twitter, and I guess it's like a couple months ago, I see something like, love the Mandalorian, um, and put up they put up a poll like, what's your favorite Star Wars RPG? And of course, the completely objective answer to that is Star Wars D6. And the next post was something like, Hey, I found Reup. You know, Reup is uh, a bunch of fans of the old Star Wars D6 game. Have have kept it alive, and they did like a huge retro clone combination of 
and distillation of uh, of all the rules and everything. That's one thing I miss about Google Plus. As an aside, uh, there were some great communities there: the Star Wars RPG community there, the the Reup folks. We're always working on some awesome projects, and you still see some of the stuff get kind of put up at, at some of the sites. But it seemed like it was a lot more active back then. But I digress. So anyway, then it was you know I found this Reup stuff. I'm gonna you know print it out and and then it was like oh i found this hack for it uh hyperlanes and then the next post was like i made my own cover for hyperlanes <laughs> so i'm just imagining like the next post uh from phileas Foss is gonna be like i just finished my 300 page you know fanfic uh, you know the leia story and you know something like that but it's just awesome to see the enthusiasm for uh for the game because it's so awesome uh you know i think the mandalorian has launched a thousand uh, or more star wars rpg games i know it did in our house i immediately came up with a little plot where uh the, my wife and daughter had to you know, have to protect baby yoda and and so so anyway the great thing about this post uh rebirth and world building in the star wars universe it describes how they got back into it and then it's got links to all this a lot of this is free you know the uh the re-up system the hyperlanes d6 game from matt click and michael barker it's got um the uh custom cover that they made for it and some stuff that they're working on uh so if you're into star wars into the mandalorian that's a couple things for you this week Zine Club. All right, so I want to go ahead and get into some zine stuff because there is some news uh, to share. Uh, I'm quite excited. Zine Quest 3 has been formally announced. This will be running throughout the month of February over on Kickstarter. And just like the previous couple of years, I know it's going to hit me hard. So. So anyway, I really like the logo, and I was sharing news, you know, on Twitter as I do. I'm at Froth Sof if you want to follow me on Twitter. But uh, last year, you know, I, I talked a lot about it on the podcast, and I was mentioning I was going to do that again. And then someone I follow over there, Acid Lich, they are a really talented artist. They mentioned that they actually designed the logo for this year's Zine Quest. So I put up one of the images that they shared of kind of when they were designing the logo and i love it um and so i've got a a link up to the zine quest announcement at kickstarter as well as acid lich's store at big cartel as well as their twitter if you want to follow them along someone i enjoy following but uh so i thought that was cool now <sighs> With ZineQuest, I've already seen a lot of posts. Um, something like this is where a lot of people want to participate. And when something like that happens, sometimes there is some apprehension and anxiety and, and stuff like that that happens. Obviously, it's designed to be fun. So if it's already given somebody a lot of anxiety and uh, imposter syndrome and, and that kind of stuff, you can always make a zine outside of ZineQuest, you know? Um, but if you do want to participate, I can understand being anxious about it because there is that whole crowdfunding aspect. A lot of people maybe have never dealt with Kickstarter before, and there's lots of questions and, and things like that. Now, I will say that the good news is 
that, and I don't want to jinx anybody, <laughs> but uh, nearly every project I saw last year funded, almost all of them. Because the funding goals are a lot lower for something like this. Unfortunately, there was one that I really wanted to fund that was one of the only ones that didn't, which was about um, uh, the dog show circuit uh, being like a, a uh, you know uh, a housewife or something that's really in the dog show circuit. It was called the Poodle Fanciers Club. Unfortunately, that was like the one that I wanted to fund the most, but it did not fund. But nearly everything else did. So. You're also unlikely to have these outrageous cost overruns like you read articles about. Like I think there was a, like a cooler, you know, a, a, a drink cooler that was also, you know, a USB charger and a radio and maybe transformed into a small automobile. It just had all these features or whatever. And uh, it was wildly successful during the funding period, but then had all these issues. You're unlikely to run into something like that right but um most of the th things i see people get in trouble with boil down to the shipping and the the eventual fulfillment but not to fear glenn seal over at monkey blood design and publishing uh talented cartographer they do the Midlands setting and everything else i've got a google drive link to a pdf that they had put up with kickstarter advice it's not specific to ZineQuest, but a lot of it would still apply. So I've got that for you. And then also there are a couple of zine groups. One, I think Chris Menel put together over at Reddit, an RPG zine group. And then Tim Shorts, Legendary Anchorite from Gothridge Manor, has an RPG zine Facebook group. I've got links to both of those. I've seen a lot of chatter and people talking about ZineQuest on there. And they could very helpful people, people that have done this many times. Uh, that can help you, um, you know, with questions you might have. So you do have support if you want to do it and, uh, you know, you want to do it, go for it. If anybody is um, putting something together, I'll do my best to mention it. You can also, you know, you can email me, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. Uh, there's also a contact form on my blog and everything else. So you can get at me at Twitter, you know, again, at frothsof, and I will do my best to, you know, give your stuff a shout and help make sure people notice it. So a couple of other, th oh, the other thing I want to mention about ZineQuest, I'll talk about this again too. You want to, if you're a consumer on the consumer side, like me, you want to have a plan, you know, because they get, they don't all come out at the same time in February, you know, so you'll have a lot of stuff right up at the front, but then gradually throughout the month, there's still a lot of awesome stuff that will, um, you know, keep getting put up. So you want to maybe set yourself a limit uh, so you don't get too out of control. And you're, you're going to have to make some hard choices too, unless you're made of money, because uh, so many of the things are, are, are really attractive and are the things that are just going to make you say, I want that. So I, I would set yourself a dollar limit or something like that and, 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 and try to be really discerning and, and selective. Um, one of the things that I did last year that that uh, that kind of paid off for me is I, I wanted to take a chance on things that were really unusual or were not you know I, I love classic old school zines but I wanted to you know try to support some stuff that was a little out you know outside my com comfort zone or outside the box and you know that's how I ended up back in things like Green Dawn Mall and um, so you know look for the stuff that's doing something really different and 
because uh, that's that's usually zines are usually a great format for things like that and maybe take some chances on stuff that's that's not necessarily what you would normally buy and i think you'll find it to be a, an enriching experience then just a couple other zine things uh pookie at royer reviews has got a, a review of the latest excellent traveling volume empire of the pedal throne zine from james malashevsky over at under the kayak.blogspot.com this is Dan Rao World Builders blog. They've started a recent series. I think they got four or five posts up in this series called Monday Magazine Classics, where they're looking back at classic dragon magazines, White Dwarf, um, stuff like that. And they kind of go through and give you an overview of, of, of what's in those. Kind of a cool retrospective series on, on classic magazines, classic gaming magazines at Notes from Under the Kayak. So I've got a link up you to check that out and then finally i saw this just in a um you know the the online rpg store exalted funeral will send out emails about stuff they've got and i noticed that they've got some copies of the oracle hardback and what this is i backed the kickstarter it must have been six or more years ago now it seems like maybe more it's hard to tell as fast as time passes sometimes but the oracle was a a zine back in the you know kind of classic dragon magazine you know early 80s i guess maybe late 70s i'd have to go back and look but anyway um and they did a kickstarter for it it's really nice and hardback that compiles all of the articles from the all of the uh, issues of the oracle as well as a brand new issue and it's really nice and i I was trying to find it uh, a year or so ago to recommend to somebody. I couldn't find any place where there was even selling it so that, that they have copies of this. I, I put up a link just to send people over there. I really recommend it. If you like classic gaming magazines, classic zines, um, it's a really nice collector's item. And, and I don't know how many copies of this exist. So I would jump on it if you have the means and uh, the desire. But one of the coolest things about it. It's got a long introduction, you know, about the history of the magazine and, and the person that, that created this, you know, they had put in uh, advertisements in Dragon Magazine to get people to buy it. And they had, you know, a big response. And it was really just one kid like living in the basement doing it. But they came up with this whole fictitious company and fake names and everything to be able to get ads and, uh, um, it goes into how they had to try to produce the thing and, and mail it out. And, you know, the one guy wrote all the articles in the entire magazine, you know, for a long time, but it would change his name for each article to make it look like there was a staff and stuff. <laughs> so the story behind the, the zine is, is as good, at least as good as, as the actual scene. But the Oracle hardback is, is really, really, uh, a really, really nice uh, product to own. So. I thought I would point out that I saw that. Hump Day Blogorama. All right. So let's look at some uh, blog posts that tickled that tickled the froth fancy this week. Uh, starting over at sageadvice.eu, they put up a post with these Lego beholders. And these are from Wes Talbot, who apparently is, you know, one of these lego masters you know they refer to like the designers as like lego masters and uh both of these images are really awesome uh it kind of caught my eye because my daughter probably everybody's kids are so into legos kids and adults but 
Um, they're not the Legos of your childhood anymore. You know, uh, she's got all these Harry Potter Legos, you know, of castles and, you know, amazing stuff. And anyway, these are some really cool images of some Lego beholders that, uh, thought you might want to take a look at over at the save versus dragon blog, save versus dragon.blogspot.com. This is for new big dragon games, Richard LeBlanc, one of my favorite old school uh, designers, everything they do, I really like. Um, anyway, they put up a post about a house rule for a lore check. And what this basically is, is, you know, it wasn't really until like third edition D&D that you really saw um, codified skills for for lore and knowledge and everything, you know. I guess uh, non-weapon proficiencies, there might be a few where you could say, I, I, you know, somebody you know, with those checks might know a little something about this or that or the other, but it wasn't, you know, like a core skill type deal until third edition and on. So sometimes in, in an old school game, and, and this the thing I like about this house rule is you can put it into any game that doesn't really have codified knowledge skills. Um, it's a 2D6 kind of matrix table. And depending on how esoteric or uncommon the subject or the information they come across is, uh, Richard's example was, you know, coming across some old engraving or runes or something like that. And someone's like, hey, do I know anything about this? Well, you can use this 2D6 um, uh, table, and depending on how out there or unknown unknowable the information is you know they're less likely to to know something about it and i thought it was just a cool like very simple but cool random element that you could add in your game uh when someone is calling for uh you know when someone wants to make basically a knowledge check for a system that does not have knowledge checks so um it's it's uh it's pretty cool i don't share a ton of house rules but this is one that i really like as a matter of fact i think i will uh, you know, just put this on a little card or something and, and add it to my, my toolbox. So check that out. Um, this was really cool. At the Chaosium blog, they've announced this game, Lords of the Middle Sea. And I put up, a, you know, they've shared a new image of it. And the image is just pure pulp goodness. I mean, but it's like a pulp steampunk meets water world thing where um, it, it's based around an old board game that they put out in the 70s that I never even heard of. I found a post when they were announcing it where they show some images of the old game. And uh, th this reminded me, I can't remember the name. Of, I, I think it was called like Tales of the Golden Monkey or something. There was like a, a pulpy sort of show that just ran for a little while in the 80s that I really liked when I was a little kid. But it's got, you know, airships and uh, like I say, it's like a, a water world type thing where the world's been flooded and just looks like a really cool game, Lords of the Middle Sea. And so I put up an image of that so you can check that out and, and maybe build anticipation of it. Um, so anyway, that was at the Chaosium blog. Uh, I just thought the cover was so good. Um, over at plasticpolyhedra.blogspot.com, I wanted to give... Plastic Polyhedra a shout because they've been doing a lot uh, to support the blogosphere. They've got a series of great posts where they're, um, you know, talking about blogs, sharing blogs, what you can do to, to, to 
help support the blogosphere and they've got this series of brilliant blog posts from around the web they've been doing and so this post was six more brilliant blog posts from around the web kind of a roundup sort of thing not too dissimilar from what i'm doing here or what uh, ben milton does with their newsletter and, and everything else showing off um you know showing off some posts and everything so this is a great blog to add to your blog roll and follow along because they uh, they tend to share cool stuff from around around the web. So great job, Plastic Polyhedra. Keep it up. I was over at Justin Alexander's Alex, the Alexandrian.net blog where they're announcing what they're doing for this new Game Master Month thing that's going to be happening in February. And I followed the link to newgamemastermonth.com and I thought this was really cool. The whole idea is to join up for this and become a new GM in February. And it's all about, if you've thought about GMing, always wanted to give it sh a shot, but but haven't. They've got uh, um, uh, twice weekly posts, and then you can kind of click on what game you want to learn to run. And they've got all, you know, all this support and uh, like a seminar to, to help you learn to run the game. It's got games such as Numenera, Unknown Armies, RuneQuest, Trail of Cthulhu, Delta Green, Monster of the Week, and, and, and stuff up. So I, I thought this was great because so many people uh, might, might want to run a game, but it's kind of hard to start in some ways. You know, I think it's easy if you've been gaming for a while to assume that it's something that just clicks with everybody and it's something you can just, you know, dive right into which isn't necessarily bad advice depending on the person, but um, anything that's going to support more people being able to run more games is a good thing. And so I thought this was really cool. You should check it out, newgamemastermonth.com, and you can see how Justin Alexander's getting involved in it over at thealexandrian.net, um, and, and check that out. Let's see. Final thing, as this came across kind of late, but um, the new D&D products are starting to kind of leak. And the main one, the next book, is going to be called Candlekeep Mysteries. I saw this at geeknative.com. And the th I'm actually more excited about this one than I have been for the last several books. And here's why. It's an anthology of 17 mystery-themed adventures. So first of all, I like mystery adventures, but what I really like is that if it's a hardback with 17 adventures, that means finally we're going to get some kind of official short adventures that aren't Adventures League. Um, there was the uh, Tales from the... Whatever. Uh, the Tales from the Portal. I forget the name of it. Howling Portal. Is that it? where it put together um, some of the older adventures revamped for 5e, but most of what they released for 5e officially has been these long hardbacks that are all one adventure taking from level one to 10 and having run one and played and some others, you know, you're talking about a year, you know, you're talking about a lot of play to get through that and, and I'll get to some more of this later as far as campaigns and stuff goes. A lot of campaigns are going to fall apart before you ever even come close to finishing it. Uh, I I miss shorter modules for, for, for the system. Um, stuff that you can, you know, run in a session or two. And 
so to have 17 short adventures for 5e i think was really smart in fact uh, i think this was uh, you know, i can't find anything to complain about at all about this announcement having short adventures is something that 5e needs i mean there are tons out there don't get me wrong but having them come from the you know from watsi official uh is a good thing so looking forward to this i'll definitely be picking it up Candlekeep Mysteries, I've got the cover, so you can take a look at it. It looks really cool. And then another thing, you know, not to get too much into it, but you may have heard about this uh, Dragonlance lawsuit that was going on between the original authors and Watsi about uh, contracts being canceled and stuff like that. Well, seems like that is all uh getting ironed out because it has been leaked this is from sageadvice.eu it has been leaked that there is uh, apparently going to be a new series of dragonlance novels coming out this summer there have also been rumors about new campaign settings i guess there's not even rumors of uh, someone from hasbro mentioned that i think they're coming out with three new settings not new settings but new to 5e and so this would suggest strongly that Dragonlance is going to be one of them. So Dragonlance looks like it's ready to return this summer uh, with a new series of novels. And I imagine there'll be some setting books and stuff like that for it, too. So that is the stuff that I spotted on the blogs. Random tables. All right, let's get into some random tables. First thing I've got for you is over at the Tarsos Theorem blog, tarsostheorem.blogspot.com. This is Sacred Tarsos blog. And they put up a random tables bot to be used on Discord. So I know a lot of people use Discord to communicate, chat, this, that, and the other. And now they have a new Discord bot ready to deploy designed to help with crowdsourcing random tables. So that seemed pretty cool. Completely above my pay grade, completely beyond my comprehension and understanding, but cool nonetheless. So check that out from Sacred Tarsos at Tarsos Theorem. Over at Cobalt Press, cobaltpress.com, Sarah Madsen has put up a D100 table, Mildly Magical Curios. So some mildly magical items that you can presumably throw into your game without too much fear of uh, major repercussions. So let's roll a couple of these and see what we get. A deck of cards that shuffles itself. Love that. Flavorful. Minor magic item. Let's do one more on here. A self-cleaning handkerchief. I can use that, as a matter of fact. I wish I had one of those. So you get the idea. D100 table, minor, uh, mild, <laughs> mildly magical curios from Sarah Madsen over at Cobalt Press. K-Tray, D4 Caltrips. This blog comes up quite a bit, blog.d4caltrips.com, because K-Tray does a ton of random tables. They've got a flavor table here for 100 grimoires. It is complete with a PDF that you can download and add to your GM toolbox. When players find that strange mage library or what have you, and uh, they start asking about the books and your, your, your face goes white and you, you, you know, pale white, the, the blood rushes out of your face and you, have no idea what uh, what to say. This is going to give you some flavor. 
So let's take a look at a couple of these. All right, so this grimoire is made from basilisk hide. Gloveless hands will slowly become caulked in chalky stone dust when red. I love that. The basilisk, of course, will petrify you, turning to stone. Uh, if you read this book without wearing gloves, they slowly get a little chalky stone dust on them as you read. All right, let's see what else we get. All right, 77. The scaly binding of this book was once giant chameleon skin. It still retains its ability to slowly change color. Another nice entry there. You set the book down on the, uh, the green grass and it slowly starts to turn green. I love that. Very, very cool. So like I say, it's a D100 table of 100 grimoires, a great flavor table from K-Tray over at D4 Caltrops with a free PDF to boot. So check it out. Final thing I got for you on random tables is over at the Gnome Stew blog. And this is John Arcadian writing. And it is a great blog post, a philosophical random table blog post that does a better job than I'll ever do of explaining the concept, but it's something that I really enjoy using random tables to kind of convey setting flavor, tropes of the setting and whatever else, as opposed to simply using them for, you know, just a, a list of random monsters. And probably nobody is better at doing this. The unabashed king of doing, of using random tables to convey setting material has got to be Chris Tam over at Elfmaids and Octopi. Uh, or I guess that's not the URL. The Elf, Elfmaids and Octopi blog. Um, they've got whole settings, Planet Psycon, Shadowport, where it, it's there's almost no traditional narrative. It's almost all just random tables. And you gather the information, you gather all that setting information and everything else you would normally get from paragraphs and paragraphs of text. It's all done via random tables. And there's a great example that John Arcadian gives in here of this. It says they are running Eberron, uh, a game in the Eberron setting for D&D. &D. They say uh, they have one entry that says an entourage from the Talenta Plains is making its way down the street on their dinosaur mounts. And they say they've never included the Talenta Plains in the campaign, nor the dinosaur mounts. It just hasn't fit the theme so far. But suddenly the players are engaged trying to corral stampeding triceratops as the handlers have lost control. With that little setting hook, I've suddenly gotten them interested in that part of the world and learning more about it. So that's a great example of what you can do with it. I love setting tables that reinforce, or random tables that reinforce the setting. And they're really, uh, you know, as a GM, I think it's just more fun, you know, to, to look at stuff that way rather than, you know, reading like a, a textbook you know what i mean so anyway great article like i say it does a better job of phrasing it than me so be sure and check that out over at gnomes too from john arcadian free stuff all right so a few free items to share with you there's been a smattering of free stuff already throughout the show but here's a few more things for you uh starting over at geeknative.com they put up a link to a free-to-download 
5e product D&D Unleashed the Elements and Beyond and this is a substantial 246 page supplement from D&D Unleashed that has got new subclasses, ancestries, spells, items, monsters and more all with an elemental theme. If you're in the 5e check that out. Over at the Deep Sheep blog, this is Jonathan's blog, they have got their game version 3 of Kung Fu Classics. So you can download that. And then Tomas Kizbali, who blogs over at Eldritch Fields, has got a one-page dungeon that I really like. I love the map, and I like that it's all, it's it's a ton of rooms, but it's all just keyed on one page, so very little detail and everything. Uh, you can uh, get a lot of gaming out of one sheet here. It's called Maze of Amazement and Death, a one-page adventure based around OD&D, but obviously you can pretty much use it with anything, so check that out out the final topic all right so for the final topic i'm calling this one please kill me now don't take that literally although after listening to my show someone might get some ideas but uh i actually got that title from this one of my favorite books i've ever read uh please kill me the uncensored oral history of punk which is an awesome book that kind of uh, gives the history of punk all the way from punk music from uh, from the Velvet Underground on through like the Stooges and the MC5 through New York Dolls onto you know the Ramones, Heartbreakers, all that stuff. And the great thing about it, it's all told through quotes. There's no you know traditional narrative. And you talk about a book that you can't put down, even if you're not a huge fan of the music. Some of the stories are so, you know, completely interesting, hard to believe, outrageous. It's just a great, great, great book. So so anyway, that's where I got the title from. But this was all prompted from a post over from James Malashevsky over at the Grognardia blog, One Shots, ADD, and Consumerism. And in reading this post, they talk about how they don't like to have any products, game products that they're not going to use, that they... Um, you know, much prefer long campaigns to to one shots. That uh, they're not much for like just collecting RPG items and everything. And I was struck in reading it how James and I are completely opposite when it comes to almost everything that gets mentioned, which is fine. Disagreements are good, but as I was, I'm completely the opposite. For example, just as far as collecting goes, uh, there are a number of things I think about. Uh, for example, Gary Gygax's Dangerous Journeys line, where I'm unlikely to ever play that game or run that game, but I still wanted to have everything just out of, you know, curiosity and, and yes, uh, to, to collect it. Um, I also have far more stuff, that, things that I'll ever use, but maybe I'll use it. I don't know. It's not going to stop me from buying it, though, because I do like to support people. But I also, I went through such a gap in playing, maybe that's part of it, but there are so many things that I always wanted and everything that, that, uh, that now I can get. So, so I'm getting them. I'm getting them. But the main thing I wanted to focus on was the idea of, uh, you know, being more for long-term campaigns than one-shots. And uh, some of this came up recently. I was listening to Pete Jones, Excellent Dragons Are Real, podcast uh they did a recent episode talking about ben milton's maze rats game 
where they're talking about the fragility of the characters and the lethality, but the, you know, the fun and rolling up a new character. Now I've talked before about how for years I was kind of like the forever GM. Um, I introduced a lot of my friends into RPGs or back into RPGs. And as a result, uh, kind of this is even like before roll 20 or anything like that to run a game you know to have a game at all i was going to be the one running the game so for a long time as i got back into gaming i was the only one running games and i did run several long-term campaigns i think one ran for like you know our group was together for you know 12 years or more i guess um that's kind of fallen apart due to covid but should get back together at some point but but anyway some of the games i think one ran for like five years multiple games for for you know two years or more and um or at least a year you know what i'm saying and and so i've i've, I've ran you know i haven't haven't gotten to play in as many long-term campaigns i guess is what i'm saying that, that i've as opposed to ones that i've ran but since covid I, my game kind of fell apart, but I still maintained a slot in a game that I was playing in on Sundays and it's been running for like a year and a half or something. It's a 5e game and my, my character is a, a fungus druid that basically grew up in a sewer, was abandoned in a sewer and learned his fungus powers down in the sewer and everything. He's got like mushroom growing out of his head. It's a ridiculous character and it it's one of my favorite characters I've ever played. Uh, I had a great time with it. Some of the hardest I've ever laughed has been uh, with playing with this character and everything. Uh, you know, he's grown in power. The campaign's been running, like I say, for a year and a half. And I want him to die. <laughs> I, I understand now how actors, even on a really successful program or movie series or everything and they're making all this tons of money or whatever they still they want nothing to do with the character it's because i just get tired no matter how great the character is no matter how great you know the game the mechanics whatever no matter how, how great it is i just i can't keep playing it forever i can't imagine doing a five-year campaign with the same character now that is why I am all for lethality in your game. Um, I've talked before a little bit about, you know, how to handle character death and everything and, you know, how different games handle it and, you know, how, how to handle it with players that are maybe, you know, really attached to their characters and all these discussions have come up, you know, tons and tons of time one of the best things about lethality is that you get to play a different character. I don't think, you know, for me, I can, I can't imagine wanting to continue to play the same character, no matter how great they are, no matter how funny or fun they are to play, no matter how much fulfillment you've gotten out of playing the character, no matter how immersed you've gotten into a game, playing the same thing, the same character forever or for years is something that I just absolutely cannot get in cannot get behind uh i love to play different systems so i'm all for one shots now there are some one shot you know some are better than others you know when you start talking about organized play and that kind of thing 
you're generally going to be stuck playing in a very formulaic sort of adventure. They're almost all the same. A bit of role play at the beginning, three combat encounters and you're out. It's the kind of low, kind of debased gaming that you only jump in when you've got no other option, but that's kind of what organized play is there for, a way to keep your character going uh, no matter what table of strangers you're playing with. But playing shorter campaigns, shorter adventures, getting a chance to play different different characters, I think is good and healthy. And um, even if it's a long-term campaign, if your character is surviving for a long amount of time, eventually I'm just going to, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Throw them in the lava? I don't know. i got to come up with something. <laughs> but... Um, <sighs> I was thinking about it. There almost seems to be some kind of correlation between how much fun it is to build a character with the lethality of the game. Cause I was thinking like, you know, the example was maze rats that uh, Pete Jones was talking about very fun to roll up a random character and everything and very easy for them to die. You think about something like Classic Traveler, where you can famously die during character generation. It is really fun to roll up a Traveler character. Uh, there's like a pressure luck, almost kind of gambling aspect to it. And uh, it can be satisfying. You also can die pretty darn easily in Traveler. Um, and then you, you look at games where I have much less fun building a character. Um, I'm trying to think of an example besides later editions of 5e. Uh, I guess maybe something like Eclipse Phase first edition might be an example where the character generation is really convoluted. In those games, you don't want to die right away because it's no fun to <laughs> to roll up a character. You know, I mean, you come up with a cool character, but it's not a quick thing that you can just do. So it's kind of like, uh, please don't let me die for a few a few sessions at least. So I don't know. Maybe there's something there between uh, the the ease and fun of character generation uh, correlating with the, the level of lethality in the games. But, you know, I'm not sure. There might have been a time when I would have said, uh, you know, something different like that. Because I've, I've tried, I've ambitiously tried to uh, run some campaigns several times, uh, thinking of like Massive Nyarlathotep for, for Call of Cthulhu, where, you know, I really wanted to run that huge campaign, uh, or Night Below is another example, although I do want to get back into that. I, you know, I used to talk about my Night Below campaign, you know, ran it for over a year, got through the first book, you know, and, you know, stuff just happens, uh, it falls apart. So sometimes you can you know, go into it with the intent to run this long-term campaign, but just the reality is it's, it might not happen. And, and you've, you're left with this really unfinished, you know, feeling. And it's a little discouraging, like, because uh, I'd love to run the enemy within sometime, but I mean, how realistic is it that I'm going to get a, a three-year campaign in with the same group and, and uh, you know, I mean, it could happen, but I mean, I'll probably get bored of it. You know what I'm saying? There are so many games. Uh, James mentions... 
The choices available to gamers in 2020 is a veritable deluge beyond the wildest dreams of gamers two or three decades ago. The allure of so many RPGs is powerful, I felt it myself, and with so many options readily available, why would one settle for just one? Why play the same game for years on end when there are so many other imaginative products to sample? I think they're answering their own question there. Don't do it. Uh, for me, I, I've got tons of games that I do want to play. And I don't think that, I think that in the hands of, you know, with good players, a skilled GM, and just enough time, you know, several sessions and everything, you can still have a great feel like you told, uh, you know, had a great story and, and, and got to experience it uh, without necessarily going on, on forever. Now, it, again, this is just my opinion, but uh, like I say, no matter how great my character is, no matter how much fun I've had playing with playing with them, there eventually comes a point where I'm just ready for them to go away and try something else. But I want to hear from you. Uh, you can comment on the, the piece between uh, collecting and, and only having stuff you want to run if you like, or just your perspective between one shots or you know shorter campaigns and long-term campaigns what you prefer what you think about the the different you know what appeals to you you know anything i talked about you can call in i'll put you on the show we can continue to just dis to discuss it and you just go to anchor.fm forward slash thought eater to do so outro all right. Well, that is the show for this week. I enjoyed putting it together for you. I hope you enjoyed listening. I want to thank the legendary Anchorites for calling in and welcoming me back. Also want to give a shout to one of my sponsors, crumblingkeep.com. I understand that they are maybe prepping something for ZineQuest, so you can expect me to be talking about that in the future. If you want to leave a message about anything I talked about on the show, go to anchor.fm forward slash thought eater, click the message button, and I'll put you on the show. Remember, it is the froth drive, just over three cents a day to support the program. Go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Remember that all the links mentioned on today's show are over at the thought eater blog. Google the thought eater blog and add it to your blog roll. Next, you will hear from me is five minute Friday. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Under the outro tab, I've got some more kind of memes and gaming-related cartoons. A nice little palate cleanser after an hour of my rambles. I think that is everything. That means it's time for Logan. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind.